0: Welcome to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, Torah with a Point of View, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion, America's first Jewish institution of higher learning. My name is Joshua Holo, your host and dean of the Jack H. Skirball Campus in Los Angeles. I have the great pleasure of welcoming Rabbi Paul Kipnis of Congregation Or Ami in Calabasas, California.
1: A pleasure to have you, Paul. Thank you for joining us. It's great to be here, Josh. To converse with you and connect with Hebrew Union College, my alma mater, made me who I am. Excellent.
0: We're proud of that. So uh, you and I, uh, offline, had begun a conversation about parenting, and you said something, frankly, shocking. You claim that parents don't know how to parent.
1: We are facing a crisis of parenting. We are teaching our kids they either have to be perfect and get into Ivy Leagues, or they are failures. There's no in-between. We are teaching our kids... Is that, is that just a bunch of...
0: Forgive me, but is that just a bunch of upper-middle-class entitled parents? I mean, is that really what's going on in the world? Or is that just, is that just like a tiny, tiny slice of, of, of a very entitled
1: world? Talk to the kids who are applying to colleges today. They are shooting for the heights, and there is no middle. There are so many colleges in this world, but unless you're at the top... And this is middle class, upper-middle class, and all classes. I,
0: I have to tell you, the kids I encounter, they talk about going to Ohio State, they talk about going to Rutgers, they talk about going to Tulane. Tulane is not, you know, it's Harvard. i Harvard. And the parents are fine. I don't see them uh, schreien gevelt, uh, oh, my kid, he only went to
1: Tulane. Sit with a kid in December or January, February, a high school kid whose applications are already in, who's waiting. Their success or failure is whether they get into the school, and it may be a Harvard or a Stanford or maybe Ohio State or maybe Tulane, or a local college, any of them. but they know what success is, and if they don't do it, they feel like nothing. You're not specifically saying it has to be Ivy Leagues. I'm not saying specifically Ivy Leagues, but I am saying that we are teaching our kids that they either succeed or forget it. There's no such thing as a C. Or a B. All right. You're either an A or A plus, or you're nothing. Plays out very big in, a, in uh, upper middle class uh, families and beyond. Yeah.
0: Okay. But then,
1: yeah. look at how I'm seeing it. Yeah. The, I put, help place two to four kids, anywhere from 13 to 23, in out-of-home programs to help them find themselves and redirect themselves. What's an
0: out-of-home program?
1: Think of uh, on the West Coast, it's kids going to Utah to wilderness programs Mm -hmm. or people going into treatment programs, whether it's for drugs or rampant sex or anger management or whatever. Parents don't know how to help our kids deal with the anxiety and the stress and the pressure. We're failing them.
0: Speaking as a parent now, when my kid comes home with a hard-earned B+, I'm thrilled, and if he comes in with a sloppy... A minus, I'm, I'm upset. My wife and I do impose some pressure to on the absolute scale of grades, with this relative pressure as well, uh, meaning that it's not just about the grade itself, but also about our sense that our kids might be doing their best. Isn't that how a class preserves its status? By ensuring that its kids can pursue the values that guarantee staying in that class and isn't grades and the college and the sheepskin part of that and if so if it's yes to all of those questions i just asked how bad is that
1: my son the doctor my daughter the lawyer rabbi maybe <laughs> <laughs> these are the things our people aspired to and it's good we are amaha safer we're people of the book we've survived because we could take our knowledge with us as yeah. we went from country to country But there's a struggle with that. What about the Jewish plumbers and the Jewish soldiers, store owners? They are significant to our community. They're keeping us going. And we don't value that. What about my child, the artist or the scholar of sociology? Those people are important too. Absolutely. And when we raise up a level for our kids that they have to attain, and we don't deal with what's going on inside them, we set them up for failure. Go to Beit Teshuvah in Los Angeles, a, an incredible treatment program for Jews primarily, uh, dealing with addiction and recovery, many of whom who had issues with the law. You'll find it peopled by individuals who have a hole inside. Those who grew up coming out of the 60s and 70s and even 80s are often afraid to set standards for their kids, helping their kids figure out who they are and who they could be intrinsically within themselves as opposed to some standard from outside. No, I get it. I get it. I understand what you're saying. And you're talking
0: about the development in education. They call it the whole child. And uh, in a synagogue, we might call it spiritual development and growth. You feel like parents
1: are... Missing that boat? I think there's a crisis of spiritual parenting. We've lost sight of what's really important. Too many people are now turning away from high-powered law firms. People are leaving medicine. They're leaving these things because there's not wholeness in their life. It's not enough now to succeed and not raise up your family.
0: But isn't the fact that they're searching for those things prove that they they do have that impulse and that they do view the world that way with those desires that you, that you care about, I, the fact that they're, they're doing that se- seems to me that they, they're in tune with you. They're not out of
1: sync with you. People are struggling through till they're older yes. to find those. When they're faced with these young children, yeah. sweet, open, unformed g- gifts of God that we are then responsible for nurturing and raising up, We're at a loss of what a real, a good covenant, a wholesome covenant is, intention for raising them is. Is it you got to be the doctor, the lawyer, the 10,000-hour person who's now going to be a success in whatever chosen field? Or are we looking for someone who's spiritually balanced and emotionally whole, who can walk through life with their head held high and their heart open and strong, and can bring other people wholeness? That's what I want. I want a kid who looks through the world and sees gratitude and goodness. I want a kid who's thankful for what he or she has, because then he or she is more likely to go out and help others. I want a kid who finds the joy in life, who is able to step back from the challenges of life and not automatically react, look, we are about to enter, we are in, but we're about to enter the intensity of an election season. Sometimes I can't listen to the news, but when I do, frankly, I'm disgusted on all sides, on all parts. We go to our base levels. It's about ripping other people down to build myself up. I want to create people, and I think kids need to be created as recognizing that if they build themselves up, they can build others up also.
0: All right, so you you spoke about these programs, and what I hear you saying is that a program that you may respect and you may see as having a lot of value in this in this regard for you is actually remedial. What you really wish is that you didn 't have to send the kid to the thing because you had families and parenting that were were reflecting more of
1: these ideals. What do rabbis
0: do? How do rabbis help
1: us? look, we teach Torah at its base level and at its interpretive level. We teach Jewish history, Jewish philosophy, sociology, and more. But I think we have to go back to basics and be teaching parents' basic Jewish values and how to impart that to the kids. In our synagogue congregation, Orami, we have wonderful education programs. The highest attendance we find, percentage-wise, are when we do parenting workshops, where we teach parents really how to deal with, at each age, at the youngest age, nursery school, in middle school, in high school, how to guide their children to be resilient, to be wholesome, to be A-plus human beings. By bringing parents together, sometimes with a therapist, sometimes with an educator, often themselves, and take mine, our Jewish tradition, for the values. Take a look in the Bible. You know this as well as I do. Try to find a great parenting role model. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Right, right? It doesn't exist. Our, pa- our matriarchs and patriarchs created a- an awesome community, but dare I say, I hope I don't regret this, Uh they were lousy parents, (laughs) parents. on and on and on. (laughs) At each moment of crisis, they failed, so you have to look at the blessing of a grandfather to a grandson, of Jacob to his grandsons, that's the holiness, and you know, can't wait until I'm a grandparent, it's so much easier, and... uh, In
0: Portuguese they say you learn how to be a child when you become a parent, and you learn how to be a parent when you've become a grandparent.
1: Love it, absolutely. So. If we don't have role models in Torah, if Torah teaches us that parenting is really hard, what do rabbis do? Let's teach parents how to not get caught up in the issue, how to reframe it. We are the tradition of devar acher. You know, you get some sure. issue. This is one way to deal with it, but here's another and here's another. And the same rabbi often offers that. We need to teach our kids how to devar acher, look at things in different ways.
0: So you're, you're, you're advocating... A, a rabbinical posture that takes Torah with a capital T, the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, and takes that as our problem text, and then looks at this tremendous tradition that follows upon it. What we call Torah with a lowercase t, meaning all of Jewish learning, post-biblical literature, and our philosophy, and etc., our experience, our history, and to draw on that to let parents know that they're part of something fantastic, difficult, uh, rich that they can mine, that you can help them mine to raise these A-plus human beings.
1: Yeah. Look at Mishnah, look at Midrash, look at all of our right. sources. There's great things in it about Shmirat Goof, about taking care of body, soul, mind, and soul. There, there's beautiful stuff about finding joy in life. We have to teach our parents again how to celebrate holidays, how to bring joy to Judaism. That's the yeah. second thing. But I'll push even one more. When I was growing up, we used to walk out, the, run out the front door, go play in the street, didn't come home until later on in the evening. I got a whole bunch of education that <laughs> i talk about yeah. and a lot more that I wouldn't talk about on the street. But my parents knew who those people were, and there was a connection. That doesn't happen in all families, but... Today, our kids get their education on a cell phone, in the dark, in ways that we have no idea. Most of the encounters kids are having with their friends, full relationships, dating, breakups, sex talk, all of it is happening online in ways that parents can't get. We have to learn again how to have face-to-face connections with our kids.
0: I agree. I agree. I think there's a a myth perpetuated by technology, which is the myth of a skill set. Parents, I think, implicitly allow their kids to engage with technology because they assume that technology is going to be the world and that their kids have to know how to engage with it and so it's an inherent good it's not like watching television which just thumbs you down supposedly or at least in, in my mind when it was called the idiot box you know I think it's the opposite I think you train your kids to look people in the eye and to establish conversations and have eye contact and smile, and that those are the ones who are going to rise to the elite because those are the ones who can touch and engage with people as themselves. The technology skills that get masqueraded as skills are not skills at all. It's just knowing how to use a, a stupid smartphone. There's a tremendous misdirection going on, I think, uh, in parenting. But it's hard because it is prevalent, regardless of how you feel about it. Right,
1: and, and look, I don't want to present myself as a Troglodyte That's that the word? A Luddite. A Luddite. I, I have. I, I am a, the uh, uh, social media rabbi. Uh, i got a blog, and we do Facebook and, and, and Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. We use this because it's a great tool. But when you're talking about parenting, technology allows us to let go of our responsibility. Yeah, uh, I agree. And so much happens. And unless we have conversations, at least with TV... I heard what was going on in the background and could talk to my kids. Or we watched it together, even the programs that I didn't like. Today, a kid goes into their room or into the bathroom and opens up the laptop, opens up their iPhone, and what happens there instills in them various ideas which may or may not be positive. So we parents have to find a way to get into our kids' faces.
0: That getting out of the house that you mentioned and that education on the street and with your friends was also escapist for us then, too. Some of the stuff that you're attributing now to going into your room or to the bathroom, we just did it out. I'm not sure how qualitatively different that is. The, the The absence of the parents, I mean. But again, in this case, we might delude ourselves into thinking that our kids at home so they're safe, or our kids at home and so they're under our wing. And that could be a dangerous delusion. Whereas before, if our parents let us run out on the street... There was a certain kind of social set of assumptions that that were more or less
1: accurate. Here might be a difference. There was some keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with the Steins that happened back when or even happens today. But now as people live curated lives on Facebook, on Instagram, the pressure is that much more. You're a success or a failure. You are a 10 or you're a 1, not in between, particularly among Jewish parents. There is more of a challenge, more of a danger than ever before, where the misery that happens is not just the bully on the playground, but it 's the bully on the playground and the bully on the on uh, Instagram and on these websites that are playing it around i 'm not saying we should coddle our kids the opposite. I think we have to help our kids figure out how to make their way in the world. Parents have to parent more intentionally and intensely.
0: And you find that demand is strong amongst the parents in your shul and in your rabbinic life?
1: Everywhere. So my wife and I just wrote a book, uh, Jewish Spiritual Parenting, wisdom, activities, rituals, and prayers for raising children who are spiritually balanced and emotionally whole. That's published the, by uh, Jewish Lights Publishing. Yeah, okay. Wonderful. Uh, we look forward to seeing a, a long title because you have to make it Googleable in these days. Uh, you, know, oh, you search that, any of those words and you can find the book. Oh, is that book. why it's such a long title? Yes. The book came about because um, I've been blogging, paulkipnis.com, for 10, 15 years. And they approached me about doing a book on parenting and said, can I do it with my wife, which was the best thing I did because I write She writes five words, I write five words, she edits out three of mine, and then it comes out (laughs) And now we're going around talking and teaching. Without getting too self-promotional, what we're finding in each place we go is that parents are starving. Starving for someone to show them how to parent. Many of them grew... So many parents, Jewish kids, grew up with absentee parents. Parents would put them in front of the TV, or parents who helped them or pushed them or expected them to do. And they're trying to figure out how to not be helicopter parents.
0: Right, it's a
1: tough balance. How not to be tiger parents, but how not to be absentee.
0: It's a tough balance. It's a tough
1: balance. It's a fair, it's a fair challenge. And we Jews who are so pushed to be successes in our career, to be the top of what we do, have to figure out how to do that without abandoning our kids. Right. And still exercising and still finding the way. That's the challenge. People are dying to figure it out.
0: Give me a nugget. Give me an example. Give me a, a takeaway. Number
1: one is parents early need to establish rituals with their kids for doing things together that when the kids get older, we can fall back on. Michelle, my wife, goes on walks down to the Pete's Coffee. The kids sometimes won't talk about anything. Right. But if you say, let's go for Frappuccino, you know, a mile away we'll go for a walk, all of a sudden they forget what we're doing, we're just going for a drink, and they start opening up and spilling their things. We established a ritual, we used to go uh, walk on the beach all the time and toss a Frisbee. We'd talk about things, and then they'd run off when it got too intense and come back. I hit 250 baseballs with my kids. What do I really want to do? I want to sit on my tuchus in front of the TV after a long day of work. Why do I go out and hit 250 balls? Because we're together doing something and the conversation happens there. In the house, if we sit down and I ask them what's going on, sometimes I'll get nothing. So establish those rituals early of doing things so that that can be the cover for conversations later. Number two, set intentions with our kids each morning. We get two times with our kids that are so profound, morning and evening and they are the hardest times of all. In the morning, when you send your kid off, what do you tell him or her to do? What's the Kavanaugh? Do you remember that TV show, Hill Street Blues?
0: Yeah. Uh, Sergeant uh, Esterhaus. Stay safe or something. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: be careful out, there. be careful, hey, careful out there. Hey, be careful out there. What do we say to our kids? One of our friends says, ask good questions. Another one says, make good decisions. Another one says, whatever you do, be an A-plus human being. Tell your kid what's really important and think before it you default to have a good become day. the doctor, a lawyer, or have a good day. Evening is great. We're given this time, we're supposed to say a bedtime Shema with our kids, maybe Hashki Venu, the, the nighttime prayer. We read books with our kids, many people, and if they're not, right. nugget number two, read with your kids, it doesn't matter what. But then talk to them and hold them close and ask them about their day. Ask them what they're excited about and nervous about tomorrow. And sing Shema, make it Jewish. Remind them that God loves them, that they're one, that they're part of the oneness that is, that is eternity, that is holiness. All of that provides an opening and closing to a day that tells a kid it's not about did you get an A-plus on that test, but were you a whole, wholesome person.
0: That's a goal worth working for. Something tells me yeah, we strive but never quite reach it, but uh, certainly worth striving.
1: And it's hard after a long day of work to do that. Yeah, well,
0: it's clear that you got good work suited for you, so... Uh, Having fun. Having good. fun. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us on The Bully good Pulpit.
1: Thank you very much. Until the next one.
0: You've been listening to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. And please join us again at collegecommons.huc.edu.